Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Vince going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Does it tame and tame and tame again? Break up the music! Charge a glass! This nation is going to dance all night! When exactly did the game start coming thick and fast? The curse of the side netting strikes in Serie A. Alan McAnally's oven cook analogies. A brief and awkward journey into Chesco commentary. Is it finally time to allow the verb roofed into the goal scoring vernacular? What exactly constitutes a footballing shop window? And the 49.3 second audio masterpiece that is the purest essence of Ali McCoist. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 118 of the Football Clichés podcast. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Good, yeah, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Interesting tweet from you from the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium yesterday. Antonio Conte with some aggressive modesty. Mm. This is about Tottenham fans singing his name. I feel a lot of responsibility towards our fans and I think they feel that they have trust in my work. To hear them singing my name, maybe it's too early. I hope in the future to deserve this. <laughs> Massive Conte energy there. He talked a lot about how he just hopes he deserves it at some point. What's amazing is with a lot of Conte stuff... I just keep thinking. Imagine if this was Mourinho doing it, and it's a ama- and it's kind. He he kind of feels like how Mourinho did maybe in that first Chelsea era when, for fans, any you know for Chelsea fans, you just lap up what he says. And and this, you know, if Conte, if that's Mourinho saying it like last year, it's just like stop humble bragging, like shut up with all the faux modesty. But Conte's doing it like yeah, wow, like it's just lovely. What a, what a modest guy. It's just not as loaded with Conte, is it? there's probably that yeah there's probably that element but I think he's also very he knows what he's doing and he's he's just great he gets it he understands it he says exactly what fans want to hear um in in a really satisfying way alongside you I'm happy to sing his name on a weekly basis it's David Walker welcome and once again do I deserve it I don't think I do really (laughs) it's probably a very (laughs) singable name just the right number of syllables depending on (laughs) depending on which version of the name you use um Big question for you. I put it to you that this was the week, or at least the last 10 days or so, that the game started coming thick and fast. Yeah, they definitely do. Because I actually used those words in a description for another podcast that I, that I edit for The Athletic. The influence, or the lack of influence, it seems. That's yeah. a shame. Um, Charlie, I mean, the question is often, often posed, when do games start coming thick and fast? And I think I've, we finally have the answer. It's when Amazon Prime get in on the act. That's yeah. when you know that there's just so many games that there's just enough broadcasters. 
when you also start getting the we've got X games in nine days, I think that's always a surefire sign. You know, ten games in thirty days or whatever it is, you, you know they're coming thick and fast when when those kind of um, calculations are being done. It does suddenly feel very thick and fasty, doesn't it, Dave? Definitely. And there's another midweek round of mm. games in, in a couple of weeks. Which Next week? Yeah. Is that normal? It doesn't feel normal. Well, that is, yeah, that is a really good... The, those, um, those middle... Having a game week in the middle of the week, that is massive. I mean, I think we missed them a little. We had one fewer in this period last year because the season started late. Right. But yeah, having two of them in, in two in the space of three weeks is And Champions incredible. League again this week. European football again this week. Go away. Don't want it. I think I feel like if she had the option to just do a poll across Europe and say, can you be arsed with match day six? No. Get rid of it. Don't care. Um, so, but we have a jam-packed, thick and fast adjudication panel for everyone today. Charlie, first of all, I, I, part of me doesn't want to keep banging on about this on the Football Clichés podcast. I don't want to back us into a, uh, into a niche <laughs> corner, but I feel like we, we must address this. Matteo Zerbini writes in. He says, I'm an Italian listener, and I was watching the Spurs-Brentford game last night on Italian Sky TV. I can confirm that Italian commentators are not any different to English ones. As soon as Ozzy Ardiles was shown in the stand, <laughs> the commentator had three to five seconds silence and then went, Che giocatore! <laughs> what a player. <laughs> They're the same as us, Charlie. They're no more sophisticated than us. They see someone in the stands and they just think they bloody well have to say it. What's the Italian for a man who knows a thing or two about? I don't know, but I have found out the Italian for what a player he was, by the way. And here it goes. Che giocatore era! Incidentalmente. Mm, nice. But did they do they e longer the like, Kejiakatori? <laughs> oh. Kejiakatori. <laughs> Kejiakatori era. Incidentalmente. <laughs> I mean, I suppose, yeah, that, the last bit's got to be much more breezy. I mean, it's, mm. it's a pitfall. I mean, I, I ran this by James Horncastle, Dave, and he was throwing me all sorts of combinations. And, you know, the. The, the by the way coming at the start of the sentence he was oh, throwing, yeah. in, throwing in ragazzi which and he also said you might as well put Mamma Mia in there I said I'm not saying Mamma Mia <laughs> on the Football Clichés podcast sincerely um, but it's I feel like in Italy there'd be even more reverence as well for the, there, there feels like such a healthy respect for the past that the kind of that equivalent of the oh in a, imagine a Maldini I mean they probably wouldn't really yeah. bother would they what a player he was yeah I don't think you need to with him but some some grizzled centre back that we don't that we've never really heard of. Yeah, just a, yeah, it's, it is really. But with Mal, Maldini, it would be like, oh, he was all right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> not bad, was he? Didn't he, didn't yeah. he play a bit? Whatever happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, 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 brilliant. On to more traditional commentary uh, quirks, Charlie. I'm calling this the La Maldición del Comentarista. This is from ESPN's coverage of Roma versus Inter in Serie A on Saturday. Argentine commentator Jorge Barril and his co-commentator Vito De Palma just going about their business. And then uh, Nicolo Zaniolo screamed on into the side netting and all hell broke loose. Zaniolo, Zaniolo al arco, golazo! Gol! de la Roma, que gol! Golazo! Golazo de Zaniolo! Just wait for the moment they realise. Genuine injustice that they've been fooled there. Oh, oh. 
We took him so long to realise. Also, the player's reaction. He walks away like. Well, I mean, and, I mean, I guess it changed on the scoreboard. Though I don't know what comes first. Whether that's because of their reaction. Is well, he but- doing the goal with his eyes shut? <laughs> That's one explanation. But, Charlie, funny that you mentioned that they didn't go off the player's reaction. Zaniolo sort of just um, just walked away and didn't show any emotion. But there were so many layers to this because um, when I looked into the translation of the commentary, after the uh, the extended go, you know, Argentina style, I think it was the co-commentator then talked about the law of the X because uh, Zaniolo right. was, was... The immutable inter- law of the X. Yeah. Immutable. <laughs> 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 Don't think he said Amutabale. Yeah. But yeah, Zaniolo was into, didn't play a game. So I mean, whether that even qualifies, I don't know. I don't know how much uh, how much he really cared about the club. And then um, he talked about the end of uh, Zaniolo's goal drought after 13 games. Oh, no. So much went into this. And then the realisation, oh, no, hit the outside. I mean, I mean, maybe he thought that it was one of those reactions to a consolation goal. That's, you know, like, I don't want to celebrate it. But he looks visibly quite annoyed. Uh, I mean, this reminds me, do you remember the, Re- the Raheem Sterling goal, non-goal? In the genre world defining the, yeah world cup 2014 i mean that is still baffling and i and i actually to be fair to this commentator i remember thinking for that split second that is the coolest celebration i've ever seen from sterling he sort of just trotted back and i was like what a man in a world cup what a in a world was, cup um dave this is the this is the perils of off tubed commentating isn't it yeah i was thinking that yeah there must be some reason but then but th- but that that said I mean, I, actually, it's irrelevant because you, whether you're on a gantry or whether you're in a when you, whether you're in a booth, you're still going to have an access to a monitor with a replay. So I was thinking, if he was in the booth, he'd be more likely to see the replay, which maybe maybe he would be. Maybe if you're in the stadium, you'd be a bit more carried away with your surroundings and you know, looking around. But you wouldn't hear the crowd. There's no noise in the crowd. It's mm. inexplicable. <laughs> it, 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 it's so long. Maybe I don't know. Like I said, maybe he had his eyes shut. Maybe it's just muscle memory. He just goes into yeah. it. He couldn't Mate, stop himself. And then even like the ball bouncing back as it did out of the side netting, you know, Charlie, you know, this isn't the Dell, mate. You, it's not a goal. <laughs> <laughs> this is once the Stadio Olimpico. Once you Rome. start believing something, though, nothing will kind of divert you from that truth. And he, what's funny as well is it does show, I guess, understandably, once you have all this information about every player. So as soon as it happens, you want to like splurge it. And that's what he does with those things you're saying, with and, the, unless, the, the law of the X, etc. Unless it's a clip. Have they fired in a pre-recorded <laughs> goal? Surely not. It's the same one for every goal. Pressing a button. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, that'd be ripping the oh, history apart. That'd be I terrible. I pressed it now. I can't <laughs> cut it off. <laughs> I think we can all agree that's the longest, most intricate fooling of a side netting for a commentator mm. I've ever, ever heard. So yeah, great stuff. Hope we don't get an angry email from Jorge Barril anytime soon. I said we were going to tread a well-worn path with our commentators, see somebody in the stands that they recognise thing. But this takes a new twist. This is from Jamie, who is just just sitting around on Saturday, Charlie, watching the final of the UK Championship snooker on BBC. And this happened. 60. Uh, some very interesting spectators in today. There's Hayley Turner there for all you racing fans. Three times group winning group one jockey. There she is, giving us a wave. Dream ahead, what a horse that was. <laughs> so she loves a snooker, Haley. Ah, bonus! <laughs> What's your favourite bit, Charlie? I mean, that was that was really, really good. What a horse. What, what a horse. That's incredible. I'm taking it to another level. So incredible, Dave, that when Jamie tweeted this to me yesterday and said, you've got to check this out, I thought, this is it. This is a wind-up. This is... This is Someone trying to take the Football Clichés podcast for fools. And everything he said was correct. Everything he said happened. 
Um, but with the added twist even further, of, of course, at the snooker, everyone's got these earpiece in, so they know they're being talked about. It's very awkward. Oh, don't, yeah. Don't don't talk about people on screen. She did wave, didn't she? I wonder well, why she Eventually. Waved. But you kind of have to, don't you? Because you've got to She didn't take her eyes off the table either. She just sort of was just like, you know, like, though, so. like when, the yeah. man, when, it, when it's like, uh, Conte, give us a wave. Conte, Conte, give us a wave. And he just does, does the wave without looking. Just, all right, shut up. I'm concentrating. Oh, That's what yeah, she did. Really, Loves really a snooker is, is a great one. That's yeah. what, because with Andrew Castle, the king of the man who knows a thing or two about it, he would always say, you know, big famous actor, loves his tennis. That's in the, and that's why he's here today. Nobody's at the snooker if they don't love the snooker. I mean, snooker is the ultimate sport for that. You're not. There's no fair weather snooker fans at the Crucible or equivalent, is there? It's not the most glamorous. So. No. Not going to just pop in for a spot. Of Keeping snooker. up appearances at the yeah. snooker. John yeah, Parrott. John Parrott is so horse racing as well, isn't he? I bet he. You know, he's very racing loves post, racing. isn't he? I don't think many other commentators would know who Hayley Turner was. No. No offence. But loves a snooker for any racing fans. Of course, that was. <laughs> that, that, was that is the best bit, isn't it? That is the best bit. Um. <laughs> it could only have been beaten if the horse itself was sitting in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> loves his snooker. Loves his yeah. sugar. <laughs> you might have thought, that's the end of it. We, they cannot do any more content on By The Way and its derivatives. But we can. Here from Sky Sports coverage of Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich at the weekend. I, I'm, I'm going to turn this Bayern the way, Charlie. This is from Sky Sports' Alan Mack. We are so much, so much better. And I think even actually, Hansi Flick looking on the German, he still owes me money, by the way, from backgammon, <laughs> all back in the day when we played together in Munich. But, and I see this point, in terms of even the players actually, you know, are, are realising right away when there's a problem. <laughs> in the middle of a very very earnest discussion about head injuries as co-commentators are mandated by law to, to talk about um the, the switch was... then the switch then to put on a serious point that, that's <laughs> i think that's possibly my favorite bit of that but, um, but he owes me money from backgammon dave do you reckon there's this kind of um there's a, an athletic long read to be done on the mounting backgammon debts of footballers from the 80s and 90s <laughs> you normally hear about card schools don't yeah. you <laughs> I've never How much heard of money a... was on this backgammon game? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never heard of a backgammon school before. I, I Han- would read... Hansi Flick and Alan McAnally yeah. playing backgammon. I would read an oral history on <laughs> that Hansi Flick, Alan McAnally backgammon game. All the, all the build-up, how it came about. Does, does the co-com then... Does the commentator, the main commentator, then probe as to, no, as to any of that? It just moves on. Nothing more is said. Nothing more is said. Sorry, Alan, can there? I stop you there? What, what, what exactly... <laughs> What exactly happened in this backgammon game? Love to know. Yeah, it's something they should they should expand on. But yeah, this brings us to the the centerpiece of this week's episode. This took me two hours to make. Um, I don't want to go too behind the scenes on this, but it took me two hours of my precious time to put this together. The highlight of Amazon Prime's coverage in the last week or so, Dave, has of course been Ali McCoist, who seemed to be at a game every single day. Um, just loves it, doesn't he? Yeah, thick and fast for McCoist. <laughs> yes, very much so. And he was at Old Trafford for Manchester United versus Arsenal. So I watched the entire game and decided to reduce this entire game to the purest essence of Ali McCoist. It really is, to be honest with you, Peter, to be honest with you. But I'll tell you what, to be honest with you, I really did. Not really to King Rashford. Good pressing from Maguire, it really was. It certainly it's is. Some bypassing. I'll tell you. It really was. Excellent football. It really is. <laughs> Stop it. Just, just stop it. That's that's just that's obscene, Peter. That really is. That's just magic. What a what a player. 
What a goal scorer. Silly numbers. It really is. Got to shave. I'll tell you right now. I've got to shave in any way, shape or form. He's something else. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> it really is. I've got to shave, Peter. I really do. I really do. <laughs> he certainly has. <laughs> it's, that's it. Plug it into my veins, etc. Pure, undiluted McCoist. I was slightly disappointed by the um, by the lack of uh, I've got to say, but I think like we got the entire cross section of McCoist, didn't we, Charlie? That sounds a bit like on a football on an old football game where they only where each commentator only had a few things that <laughs> yes. they could say. Just like, yep, yeah, that one, that one. I've got to say, or when it gets jammed a little really bit is. and they're just repeating. It really, yeah, it really is. It really is. It's, it's, there's a nice bit in the middle which could be you know like one of these out of context. Twitter accounts where he's going stop it Peter yeah it's yeah obscene that's obscene Peter and I assume he's talking about Salah's goal scoring stats or something Ronaldo's yeah Ronaldo's. Ronaldo's. He just oh, his yeah. Ronaldo yeah sorry yeah. Ronaldo um, silly but numbers yeah, just... it sounds like it could be talking about anything Massively God knows what Pete, what was Peter up to on the gantry <laughs> uh, one bit I did miss out there was, a, there was a clever little touch by an Arsenal player I think it was Odegaard to set up a chance Charlie and uh, in the replay it was it was uh, like this escalating what a touch what a touch oh what a touch <laughs> uh, I would like to hear that yeah. once he just realises the sheer majesty of it yeah I mean I, I neglected to put it in and then an hour later I thought I'm not going back to find that <laughs> yeah. so uh, there is a limit there is I a can't limit spend a third hour on this <laughs> exactly but I'm um, <laughs> Bloody glad I did it. Bloody glad I did it. Anyway, thanks to Ali McCoist. We will never have to revisit your talents ever again. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Meanwhile, Dave, in the world of chess, uh, okay. Mag- Magnus Carlsen taking on Ian Napomniach in Game 6 of the World Chess Championship. Um, uh, we joined them on Move 72, Pivotal. and uh, you, you really have been enjoying your week off, haven't you? <laughs> hmm. Yep. Listener Patrick writes in and says, I wouldn't have this if I were you. This is chess punditry, and I'm not impressed. I mean, whenever you watch, when you watch football, like on, on English TV, they're all saying, oh, it's a game of two halves, just like a game of chess. <laughs> you're like, what are you talking about? It's always when it's nil-nil, though. When it's nil-nil, yeah, they're just they're taking their time, just like they're playing chess. And like, <laughs> what are they talking about? What are you talking about, mate? Whoa. I mean, he's... Mangled two things. I mean, the chess thing, kind of. I saw. I, I kind of see where he's coming from there. But the two halves thing and, and conflating the two. That's. Uh, I mean, tanks. Uh, tanks on the lawn. Shots fired from chess to, to football. There. Mm. I mean, Dave. I guess they don't. They don't really have the opportunity to spot someone in the stands at chess. No. <laughs> Loves the chess. Gary Kasparov. There. He knew a few. He knew a thing or two about 
Bishops? <laughs> rooks. <laughs> rooks. Uh, no yeah. gambit or two. It was the crappiest chess piece. It is a rook, isn't it? Porn, Porn. isn't it? No, Porn, I mean, it's like, like, in terms of just like the, the, the crappiest thing that they've chosen to represent. Oh, rook's a castle, isn't it? A, oh, bit, of a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a castle. That's a turret, isn't it? Yeah, it's a turret. Why do you call them turrets? Pawns are the lowest of the low, yeah, surely. Yeah, ten a penny, aren't they, pawns? Yeah, little pawns. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that, that was bishop to a7 for Nepomniachtchi, by the way. Good move. Lost the game, though, so anyway. Um, moving on. This is from Wolves versus Liverpool. I was expecting Alan McAnally to pop up there with with, that, with Hansi Flick. For <laughs> chess debt. M- move yeah. on to chess. Uh, <laughs> Let's settle it on the chessboard, Hansi. Chess is a very precise game, of course, but not as precise as Rob Palmer's commentary for Wolves versus Liverpool. This is from Ethan Henson, who, um, who has pointed to more some very, very precise peak moment commentary. Now Liverpool counter-attack. Saar comes screaming out of his area. He's missed the ball. It's a gift for Jota. Jota draws breath, takes his time, and can't score from six and a half yards out. What on earth? <laughs> what on earth indeed, Dave? Six and a half yards. I've never heard. I don't think I've ever heard that distance ever, ever uttered during never. a football broadcast. And I, I went back over the footage and was just rocking and rolling on the Dimo moment. Did heads in yeah, a way? <laughs> the moment of contact, exactly. You can't JFK. quite see. But I think it it is, Jota does make contact with the ball a fraction outside the six-yard box. Um, so he probably is right. It probably is about six. And I was thinking, how big's a yard? Like a pace, isn't it? So I don't know. If you want to be really precise, you're probably like six point two five yards. Yeah, it's more more like that. But incredible in the moment using of the pitch markings, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, he must presumably he see he's saying six, then sees he's not quite at it, and thinks, oh my god, no, I can see the six yard box. He's not there and improvise. I mean, it's if like I say six, and the football cliches podcast picks up on this. Exactly, it's like a striker <laughs> sorting their feet out. It's it's incredible to be able to do that under that sort of pressure. I mean, it's like we were talking yesterday at the at the Spurs game more as goals like is it 20 or 25 yards it has to be one of the you know you can't you can't go in between that no goal has been scored from 23 yards it has yeah. to be one or the other despite the fact that the the edge of the d is precisely yeah. 22 yards so you could say it and be you know fairly fairly solid in it but no one's ever going to say it yeah it increments of five is it, increments of five is actually unsust- not unsustainable but i feel like it's it's not practical is it charlie we could you definitely can say- go finer yeah, well, you can say just that. Could you say just outside the eighteen-yard? But I mean, that would sound weird yeah. if you said. But I think fifteen yards would sound weird. <laughs> Fifty, yeah. Once you're inside sound, the area, that would sound really weird. Yeah, then it's weird. It's like six yards, twelve yards, but then <laughs> yes. twenty, twenty-five, thirty, and then you don't just, keep going up in sixes. Yeah, and then anything over halfway, halfway line. line is just what fifty yards apparently yeah. <laughs> around yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, fully fifty yards, more to the point. But yeah, great stuff from Rob Palmer. I want to see more. Well of done. That. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's our old friend once again, getting in on the axe, the principle of. Um, I've got perhaps the most extreme examples of good and bad usages. Let's hear the good one first. This is from um, Ruri McKenzie, who uh, found a clip of Aberdeen manager Stephen Glass analysing the 4-1 win over St Mirren. How pleasing was it for you to see Christian and Marley especially back on the score sheet? Yeah, you want your forward players getting in amongst the goals. Like We scored a few set pieces recently, defenders getting in on the act as well, but any time you score four is brilliant, uh, but for the forward players to get a couple each is great. Uh, they're, they're probably disappointed they didn't score three, one of them, I'm sure. So Dave, come to you first with this one. Um, really good to see a textbook usage of getting in on the act. And from a manager, you don't often hear it from the personnel themselves. Really nice, really nice. Watford sort of cult hero, Stephen Glass. It makes it all the better for me. Um, yeah, very good. Textbook usage. Enjoyed it. Charlie, happy with that? 
Very, yeah. As you said, it's striking hearing a manager bracing it in that way. Mm. Well, um, things are about to take a turn for the worse as we head down under. This is from James Beard as we head into injury time at the end of a pulsating A-League encounter between Sydney FC and Newcastle Jets. Five minutes of stoppage time. So even the fourth official is getting in on the act. He wants this one to continue as well. And why not? What? I think that might be the worst ever usage of getting in on the act, Charlie. Yeah, it's it's nonsensical, really. I mean, I guess what he's suggesting that it's so much fun, he's extending the game. It's, it's only five minutes anyway. I mean, the only, how could I mean how could a fourth official get in on the act unless they like came on and booted one into the net? <laughs> even in kind of jokey hypothesis, David doesn't work. I mean, it's, obviously he's not getting in on the act, but even if he was sort of trying to prolong the excitement, it doesn't count. Doesn't work. That is his act. He has one act to do, and that's hold the board up. Not happy with that. Sort your act out, Australia. Um, Phil McHugh writes in, Charlie. He says, I hope you enjoyed the old classic joke, pause, player's name routine from Ian Dark in the 72nd minute of the West Ham Chelsea game. I know I did. Well, let's find out. Marcus Alonso off, Christian Pulisic, who comes from the chocolate bar town of Hershey, Pennsylvania. He won't be short of anything for his Christmas stocking. <laughs> so foul. Nothing to say. Nothing to say. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've got that information, Charlie, you've got to use it, haven't you, really? What's amazing is in those long silences is how you're just waiting it's somehow like, how has nothing happened? Surely something will happen to enable him to say something, and yet it doesn't. It's like, how how does this develop? Exactly. I mean, we've we've analysed this phenomenon quite a lot, Dave, recently, and uh, a rare hat trick of extended silences. There, you had the setup, and then the let it sink in after the quip. Yep. And then the kind of bonus reflection period <laughs> after that. <laughs> <laughs> very, a very, very unique example, really. And, and yeah, who was Cocoms on that game? BT would have been BT. Glenn Hoddle. Sport. Glenn Hoddle, yeah. Glenn not getting involved in any chuckle. No, he had a little banter. chuckle. Yeah, so, right. so Glenn chuckled and then Dark chuckled in response. It was like. Micro chuckle. Yeah, just a micro chuckle. Yeah, yeah, just, just Hoddle got it and was happy to let it slide. But yeah, but I, I'm terming that one Dark Chocolate. Mm. Nice. Good. Good, isn't nice. it? Um, I wrote it on the running order and didn't want to waste it, so there it is. Let's have let's have some more straightforward matters. Simon Richardson writes in Charlie and says, when Mary Demiral equalised for Atalanta against Napoli on Saturday, co-commentator Nigel Spackman claimed he roofed it, which I've never heard for a goal that hits the roof of the net. He's technically right, but I ain't having it. It's fine with me, Charlie. I quite like roofed. Yeah, I remember that being used playground. Or, you know, I mean, we probably didn't have actual roofs in the net, but imagine, like, yeah, he's ro- he's absolutely roofed it. Yeah, that's, uh, to me, that seems like a bit of a throwback, and I'm for it. It's one of the... Um, I'm not having it. Really? No, I don't like that. No. Roofed it. He's roofed it into the net. Roofed no, but it's it not... The... You never say roofed you don't, it into no, the net. No, you don't just say it. into the net, just he's roofed he's it. He's just roofed yeah. it. Nah, yeah. it's rubbish. Kind of, you know, like the, the rubbish from Spackman. Not having it, no. <laughs> it's one of right. the entanglements of the language of football, really, that um, there seems to be slight confusion over what to call the top of the net on the outside mm, mm. and the top of the net from the inside. Uh, both seem to be the roof, Dave. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we need a solution to it. Uh, I think if I, if, if you had to designate roof for which of those, what are you going for? It should be ceiling of the net, really, for the yeah, inside. Exactly, yeah. The roof is the top, it. and then the ceiling is the bit underneath. Yeah, mm. yeah it's pretty clear cut, isn't it? Yeah, but I always like. I remember. Lear- I remember as I was learning the language of football as a youngster, <laughs> and being you know, you hear things for the first time. And I remember noting that contradiction, but I actually don't mind it. I kind of think that's just one because you know, you just you know, you know, it landed on the roof of the net. You're not going to be confused and think. Was that a goal? Unless you're that Italian commentator, maybe. I was about to say. I kind of like the fact that you have those quirks that don't really make a lot of sense, but somehow they're still okay. But what about for the the Jorge Barils and Vito De Palmas of this world, Charlie? How do you feel about side netting being used for the inside of the net? That I find weird. Mm. Yeah, uh, but that I feel is a more recent phenomenon. I mean, if you're listening on the radio and the commentator says, he's found the side netting, then you oh, so close. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think with strikers like Mason Greenwood, it's been used as a thing like he's such a good finisher, he just finds the side netting, which, yeah, f- to me, and again, this is totally inconsistent arbitrary, that I do find a little bit odd. I think it works with penalties, though. Yes. Well, because you couldn't possibly hit the side netting yeah. on the outside of the goal from a penalty. It's yeah. self-contained. Mm. You, you can emphasize the fact that the ball has gone in and found the side netting, whereas during open play, bit more, mm. bit more ambiguous. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. In a stunning turn of events, I want to revisit Alan McAnally during Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich. Well, I say Alan McAnally... Alan McAnalogy, more like. Gavin Malarkey sent this in. And um, let me just set the scene. McAnally starts. There's been a break in play for a head injury just after his backgammon story. And he starts with a very common metaphor for a game that may or may not be petering out. But then it really does go out of control. It's unfortunate the, 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 the break in the game there because everything was just bubbling nice. It was just simmering. The lid was wobbling on the top of the water. It didn't know was it just going to overspill or was it going to keep its temperature. Oh. Well, there's a danger here. And that was Wolf coming onto it, wasn't it? It's literally just on the pitch. First and touch. he had a chance. The first touch that would have been absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> Slightly disappointed, Charlie, that um, that Dortmund interrupted him by having a yeah. uh, having a blocked shot because I really wanted to know how far it was going to go. I was really hoping, even after the blocked shot, he continued to talk in terms of that analogy, but he he moved away from it. Where what did you say? It's, it's either going to wobble or keep its temperature. Can break it down for you. I'm happy to break it down. You, I've got the full transcript. It's mm. unfortunate the break in the game there because everything was just bubbling nicely. Yes, fine. We all understand that one. It was just simmering. Very good too. It, um, it was like the lid was wobbling on the top of the water. Mm, 
and didn't know if this was going to overspill or is it going to keep its temperature? <laughs> that was the end, wasn't it? I mean, where do you go from there, Dave? Don't let it boil or it will impair the flavour of yeah, the game. I don't know. Yeah, just just turn it down to a lower heat. I mean, and I will be thinking that next time I use the oven all I, uh, the hob all I'm going to be thinking about is is Alan McAnally's analogy yeah. well I mean yeah it's, it's worth bearing in mind I mean seasoned hob users will know that the best the best setting for the hob if you're cooking something for more than I don't know five ten minutes you know soup upwards is to not take it right down to the bottom but have it just up so you can hear the flame mm. if you can't hear the flame it's going to take too long and that's it. And that's what you probably want your game of football to be. Also, if it's a gas one, there is the risk on a low one on mine anyway that it'll go out if you have it really light. So, you know, you yeah. need it a little bit harder than that. Does Alan McAnally actually not <laughs> understand what simmering means? <laughs> Has he for his whole life been boiling stuff when he should be simmering? <laughs> this soup's got no flavour. <laughs> I've impaired it. I've impaired the flavour of my soup. Hey, where's my back, Gavin? Um, but yeah, great stuff from Alan McAnally. Great to hear the uh, the ex Bayern ace on uh, Cocoms for that one. An eventful evening for him. Mm. He's revealed a lot about himself. Yeah, absolutely. On to end on a, a question from Richard Matlock. Dave, on Thursday, John Champion said Eddie Nketiah was putting himself in the shop window when he came on for Arsenal at Manchester United. This was in um, relation to his failed contract talks. Can a player only put themselves in the shop window during a live TV game? Or can it happen in any regular match? It's a phrase you usually only hear during major tournaments and often involves a player from a smaller nation potentially earning a move to a major European club. So was Champion referring to something that Enketia had actually done or just the fact he was coming onto the pitch? Just came on. He came onto the pitch and was, so, and was in, the, in, in the process of doing so, putting himself in the shop window. I mean, no, does that meet the threshold for... I don't think so. Because if Enketia comes on and scores a couple of goals or does something really good then I think he's putting himself in the shop window. In a way, it's more like Arsenal putting him in the shop window by bringing him on at that stage. Until you actually do anything, you're not putting yourself... Well, he's not going to go up to Arteta and go, Gaffer, can I get on? We need to put myself in the shop window, really. I think, yeah, the coming on, you're giving him the opportunity to put himself in the shop window. I think the act of coming on itself isn't doing it, but it's a chance for Nketiah to put himself in the shop window. With a goal or two here, Mm. that's putting him in the shop window. Well, um, but I don't think just coming on will do it. Fortunately, uh, John Champion and Ali McCoyce debated this point very briefly. And they said, they, they introduced another angle to the equation. It said that playing at Old Trafford itself is putting yourself in the shop window. And then John Champion said it was like Oxford Street on Christmas Eve, which I don't think is true. I mean, as listener Russ intervenes, he says, well, OK, what's been the biggest shop window in history? I would argue Italia 90. It was essentially the John Lewis of football tournaments. Um, yeah, Euro 96, I think, was was big for that as well. The fact that it was in England as well yeah. seemed to suggest to clubs even more that these flash-in-the-pans mm. were worth signing. Although I, although in Italia 90, I suppose, you know, the likes of David Platt and Paul Gascoigne put themselves in the Italian true. shop window. That was, yes, a very, I mean, yeah, very active putting in themselves in the shop window. So I, you could probably span it from Italia 90 to World Cup 2002 as the kind of shop window era of the World Cup. Mm. Simply coming on at Old Trafford is not, is not putting yourself in the shop window on Oxford Street on Christmas Eve. You need to score the goals to attract people to the shop window. Just coming on, it's just Eddie and Ketty. It's like Eddie and Ketty just simply standing still in the window of office. <laughs> in Selfridges. Yeah. <laughs> doing Anyone? Nothing. In mitigation for John Champion, Charlie, we are nearing the January transfer window. We've got a player who seemingly is not wanted at Arsenal or, or, or is seeking past his new. 
So any minutes on the pitch for a player who isn't playing regularly is a chance to put himself in the shop window, isn't it? Is that okay? It's a yeah, mundane example, but it's fine. I guess the po- I guess it's acceptable in the sense that if you, it, it's the opportunity to be on Oxford Street on Christmas Eve because if you were to score at Old Trafford in a game where your team is trailing. That would, I mean, what a shot window that would be. So I guess, yeah, there is the possibility, as I said, it's the possibility element. And that may be what he was inferring. But the analogy should be updated, really, because in the same way as high street shopping has diminished over the last two decades, all the all the football clubs are shopping online now. They already know about it. If they want Nketiah, they can get him. They don't need to watch hmm. him at Old Trafford. They don't need to go to Oxford Street and see him in the window. It's a kind of next day delivery on a yeah. Amazon just get him on Amazon Prime now on deadline day. He'll be there within mm. an hour. Well, that's that. Shop windows dissected. Um, so many important matters finally put to bed on this episode of the adjudication panel. Cheers to you, Charlie. K. Jacatore, by the way. <laughs> mm. Thank you very much. Cheers to you, Dave. Another, another. You roofed it. I was thinking about, um, could you use that if Kmar Roof scored? Could mm. Roof roofed it? He's Roof, Roof has roofed it. I... I I'm I'm waiting for the day that he, that he thumps one in. I mean, it may have happened. Sheer geometry suggests that you have to be at least you'd have to be at maximum six and a half yards out, wouldn't you, to roof yeah. it? Otherwise, you're yeah. too far. Unless yeah. you can bend it, I don't know, down and up, Tiago style. But even then, it would have to be much more pronounced. Yeah. So uh, um, we we wait to see if Kemar Roof will indeed roof one. It may happen this week. Hope so. Hope so. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you on Thursday. Bye. What the horse that was. The Athletic.